What the heck you got going on? You got candles? You got a sweater? This is not Christmas, my man. All right. I'm in the Midwest, and it's October, so I feel like candles and a sweater is appropriate. Well, maybe maybe, cool. maybe Christmas did come early this year because uh, we're joined by an amazing guest. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much uh, for joining Partner Up. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've loved the first couple episodes. I'm thrilled to be a guest. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. It's, it's fun to finally start to hear that feedback because the first five we recorded... Uh, pre-recorded. So we had no idea if we were doing something right, if this was going to be helpful. Um, and we're super excited to dive in today uh, into this topic with you about internal selling. So it's like partnerships is not just about selling with partners. It's you got to do a lot internal as well. Um, but before we dive in, Friendly reminder that this episode is sponsored by Crossbeam. Crossbeam is a partner ecosystem platform that acts as a data escrow service that finds overlapping customers and prospects with your partners while keeping the rest of your data private and secure. So you can sign up for free at crossbeam.com. And I feel like in every episode, they end up being talked about. So uh, go listen to the episodes. You'll hear us talk about them even outside of the the sponsorship. Um, So Brittany, now that we're through that, I want to kick it off with maybe you could tell me the story of when you realize that building a successful partner program is as much internal selling as it is, you know, selling to customers with partners. It's such a good question. Um, for me, it was less of a specific moment in time, and it was more my time spent at LinkedIn as an individual contributor, um, working on various overlay and cross-functional teams. And LinkedIn's a company that moves super fast. I was on many different teams during my time there, different managers amazing to get different experiences, different exposure. And I felt like as an IC, my job was easier and easiest. I had the most resources. And the and most importantly, other teams knew how to work with me when my manager was really good at telling our team story, our team goals, and what we were set out to do. So I started to feel sometimes the pains as an IC if the internal teams didn't know what we were doing and weren't aligned versus how much easier it was to get my job done and do a good job when everyone was on the same page. So, um, you know, when I when I joined G2 and was tasked to build out the partnership team, I felt like the only way I could build and scale a good team is making sure top down leadership understands what our team's going to do, how we're going to be measured, what we're going to focus on. Um, it, it's it's the foundation that has to happen before you before you even talk to a partner, quite frankly. Where, where did you start that? You said leadership. Uh, let's talk about specifically. Who, who were you like, we got to create alignment around the task at hand and uh, you know, start that internal sales process. Who, who specifically at G2 with the title? Yeah, well, G2 was much smaller than it is today when I joined um, in 2017. So I started with the co-founders who super cool experience to work side by side with co-founders in Chicago. Um, Tim Handor, Godard Abel, Matt Gorniak came back at the time. And it was really this like open question of, can we, how do we build partners? Where's our value to partners? How do we think partners can add value? And they gave me a bunch of these open questions. Um, and they were like, why don't you go explore a bunch of things, figure it out. Um, and it was super fun to come back and start to think about, we're launching new products that you two which are opening up a whole idea for ecosystem, which was our buyer intent product. And how do we 
instead of reactively creating integrations where customers are requesting it, how do we become more proactive and build an ecosystem where we can go to customers and say, this is how we see you using buyer intent data. These are the integrations that we're suggesting based on your company size, your company type, your use case. I'll I'll just share right now, because especially the other partnership people who are joining in, like we're still working on this today. So it, it getting alignment is something that changes over time. Um, it's something that you should revisit quarterly. And it's it's hard to remind yourself um, to go back and check those goals, check the alignment, just give visibility into what you're working on, especially as if you're part of a company that's growing and scaling and more people are joining. It It never stops. When you think it stops, then you've probably done something wrong. <laughs> I mean, it goes, it, <laughs> it's, it, a good it's, way to it's put it. per- pervasive. And like you, you started the conversation on how you, you sort of came to that realization at LinkedIn, you started at G2 and then it was like at the kind of at the founder level and then like a quarterly reset. Are you aligning this, you know, in this motion to, for example, at this stage that you're at now to let's say you know, territory managers or directors, VPs of sales, are you lining with like customer success, like unpack kind of like the middle of the pack, you know, not frontline, not at the top. How are you working with management at the stage that you're in now? Yeah, I would say that layer just started more recently. Um, I'm sure like many other companies, we're doing our planning for next fiscal. And a lot of that alignment is happening now. So starting to unpack, you know, how much is my team spending time on support? How much are they partner facing versus customer facing? How much time are they spending with the product team? And where there's huge spikes and that they're spending tons of time with those teams, it starts to warrant the question, well, is there someone on that team who should be a direct cross-functional partner and actually support that type of partnership or that bucket that we focus on? Um, we've made a lot of headway there. And, and this has been, we now have partner marketing support at G2. We have product partnership support at G2. So it's been a process and a journey. And I think part of good internal selling is capitalizing on partnership wins. So just like you want to go to a customer with case studies, anecdotes, right, success stories, I use those internally all the time. It's exciting when we have a strong partnership where we're seeing value, the partner's getting value, everyone's happy. Those are the stories that I turn around and tell product stakeholders, marketing stakeholders. Um, and that happens casually in conversation. And it also happens very formally, like in a PowerPoint deck. So I think another good uh, like delineation between always selling internally is sometimes it's really formal and you're like calling a meeting with an agenda and you're, you're sitting them down saying, this is, I want to talk through what my team does, how we're going to do it and how we're going to get there. And other times it's more um, drawing attention to the good stuff that your team's working on. It's equally as important there's a, there's a tactical tip I'll, I'll share. That's, I, I didn't know it would be important. It's very important. I created a Slack channel called partner wins. And all I do is like, anytime there's a positive impact on someone that's not on this partner team, screenshot it and put it in here. And that's been used in so many presentations and like Slack messages and just, you know, bubbling up, right. Saying top of mind, how, how have you gone about kind of consolidating and getting those, um, kind of like wins from the team. It's just a mind share of like, hey, feed that back to me or do you have something similar? Well, I love the Slack channel idea. So now we're going to have a Slack channel. Um, we, <laughs> I have an email folder where I file things away. Um, you know, I, I have good relationships with my 
manager peers and I, I tell them like, hey, I'm, I'm really focused on this type of partnership or this partner specifically, will you keep me in the loop if and when you hear wins? Having good relationships with AEs who are on the front lines, sometimes pitching partner solutions or working on big renewals where partners play a role. Um, I'll get some of that feedback directly. And then we do have a sales win Slack channel. Um, and more times than not, some type of integration or partnership is mentioned as a reason or as an influenced reason that somebody is renewing, expanding, et cetera. So yeah, I, and I, I screenshot those all the time, to your point, um, and file them away on my own computer. Amazing, amazing. Um, let's understand uh, a little bit more about your model so we can, some of the partner folks listening out there can understand kind of like the context of you know internal selling, so to speak. When you say partnerships at G2, Let's unpack that. What does that mean, uh, partnerships at G2? What kind of partners do you have and how are they involved in uh, you know, typically a sales cycle? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first bucket that we support are integration partners. And we today have about 30 uh, partners in that ecosystem. And these are partners that help our customers, G2 customers, operationalize G2 content or G2 buyer intent. So just some examples of that are... Um, a more recent integration is with LinkedIn Match Audiences, where a G2 customer can push G2 data and create ad campaigns. Um, HubSpot, of course, is one of our partners, Marketo, CRM. So that's our integration ecosystem, and I'll talk more about that. We do have what we call partner revenue, and these are strategic data licensing partners, um, a lot more similar to a traditional sales model on that piece. And then we do also have what we call tier one partners, and that runs a little bit more horizontal. So an integration partner, a revenue generating partner, and there's sub buckets under that as well, can be deemed a tier one partner, which gets more support, excuse me, from my team. And then you also have, uh, you work with agency and you have agency relationships. Uh, talk a little bit about that. How do you work with, uh, with agencies as well? That's our most nascent part. So that's, I'd say, is the most uncharted water we have today. I think figuring out the agency model is like V3 of the partner ecosystem at G2. Yeah. And I want to just call out something that was really good advice that a mentor gave to me. Selling internally, externally, threes and fives. Like make your buckets short, make them succinct. Like, how are you pitching yourself? My team, like, I want to hear their elevator pitch on like, what do you do? What does our team do? Make it simple, make it short, make it sweet, make it clear. Um, I hate, like it, it scares me. I don't like it when somebody internally at G2 is like, gosh, like I don't, what does your team do anymore? Like you guys do so much. Like, well, of course we do so much, but it's boiled down to these three things. And this is what we do. This is what we focus on. This is always what we focus on. So having your elevator pitch and being clear about what you do for, honestly, that's well beyond partnerships. That's for anyone's role. I think it's super important. Yeah, I spend a lot of time doing this. And I'm just wondering, what percentage of your time do you find that you're selling internally versus working externally with partners? I think like, people might be surprised how much time we spend selling <laughs> internally versus externally. And so I just want to get validation from you that um, you're doing the same thing. Are you what percentage of time are you doing that internally versus externally? Um. When I started and the team was much smaller, we didn't have EMEA or APAC teams. Like I said, everyone sat together in Chicago in a small office. I would say 
honestly, like 10 to 15% of my time. It was really focused on like, go out there, like try things, test, fail, try again. Um, fast forward, you know, three plus years. Now we have London offices, Singapore offices. Um, we're all remote, of course, making it much harder. There's 300 people in our Chicago office. It's increased quite a bit. I would say 30 to 40% are internal meetings and internal alignment on, you know, what initiative are you working on? And sometimes it's, it's almost, if you will, like, sourcing, right, for your team. Because if you're in an internal meeting, and all of a sudden you hear CSM, and this actually just happened to me in real, in in my real life, Um, you know, our VP of CS, Andrew, is working on this big initiative around like helping customers increase speed, uh, time to value. And there's three different ways that I think my team can help and plug in there. So it's also finding alignment isn't only just going to someone and being like, hi, here's my checklist of all the things I want to accomplish this quarter. It's actually going out and seeing like, where does my list of things align to other people's list of things? Or maybe someone else's list, I should be aligned with that list because that's a super interesting point. So um, sometimes I, I, you can almost say I'm a, like a BDR for my team, listening into other initiatives that my team should be involved in. So, so you've been at G2 Crowd for over three years. You, you started as a director. You're now a, a VP. Um, did, did, did your role change at all when you, when you shifted was, did you, were you do, finding yourself doing more internal selling, uh, as, as a VP than a director or was there no change? Um, I actually, I started a level, I started at G2 as a, as an individual contributor and quickly yeah. we reorged, redefined partnerships and I was given the opportunity to build something out and really lead it. So when I was a soul, when I was a one woman show, I did a lot less internal selling. Um, I was, I was lucky in a lot of ways because I felt that I had the buy-in for my leadership team, um, which is, I'll, I'll touch on that point in a minute, but that's huge. Um, I had the buy-in for my leadership team, like I said, to go test things, try things, um, figure it out. Then when I, I did internal selling, I ramped up internal selling to get headcount to help me. And then I felt like once I was responsible for other people's careers and I led a team, that's where I feel like it's it's a leader's true responsibility to be good at internal selling and know that it's part of your responsibilities. Because now there's people on my team whose career paths and you know their longevity at the company depends on my ability to show our value and make sure that our team is producing what the business needs. What's, so I would say it wasn't here. necessarily director to VP. It was IC to managing a team. What's interesting there is like, there's always this consistent theme that is so difficult to apply in advance of, but it's always so clear in retrospective of that as the company stage changes, right? And uh, DC at Drift talks about this a lot from like, you know, a family to, you know, a tribe, to a village, to a city, to a, you know, country, so to speak, right? These milestones of what your role is has to change as well. And the degree to which you have to spend time with your teammates to create leverage, because whenever you're small and it's just you, there's no leverage, right? It's like prove this thing or the program's dead, right? And then at this stage now, it's like, if I'm not driving, you know, 10%, 20%, 30% of revenue in helping other people hit their numbers, you know, it's going to be a lot harder because typically BD teams, right, are, how, how large is your team now, Brittany? Including me, we're five. Right. And then 
but your impact is oversized. Like typically BD teams are driving a much larger impact on product adoption, right? Like people are buying things that are the result of partnerships. People are, um, you know, sales reps are selling and getting to their number as a part of it. Whenever you activate agency or channel partnerships, right? They're directly contributing, you know, to source uh, pipeline and close dollars. Yep. So like this, the stage of the company really impacts the degree to which you need to like hone this muscle and get really good at like, you know, internal selling maybe, maybe a take on this. Cause I, I love some of the tips and tricks that have been shared here is what are some of the methods you've used to like get someone to go, Oh, wow. Okay. I need to take action on this. So there's the formal meetings of course, but have there been any strategies, tactics, Sun Tzu art of war stuff where you've been like, this person was my enemy, so to speak, they were not on our team <laughs> and here's how I won them over. Yeah. It's all about just knowing your audience. And that's like a, right? That's a traditional sales uh, point. But, and, and this is something that, you know, I talk about with my team all the time, how you are explaining partnerships internally, how to your point, you're asking someone to take action. It's all about what's their role? What do they do? And what do they care about? So if I'm talking to a sales team, it's not going deep into like a partner's product and the technical, you know, if I'm talking about a connector, I'm going to leave out a lot of like the technical jargon and like, that's not what's going to get them super excited. What's going to get them super excited is the three beta customers saw all this value. It's going to increase, you know, renewals. It's going to, it added all this value to a renewal conversation, like lead with the value to who you're talking to. If I'm talking to leadership, for example, and someone who's maybe not deep into the day to day, I really try to distill what I'm working on or what I'm asking for into themes right? And like, this is the theme that I'm seeing. This is my specific ask. And if I get what I'm asking for, here's my predicted outcome. So it's it's all about knowing your audience and all about making sure your narrative is is relevant to that person. When you're, whenever you're kind of training your team on this and they're interacting kind of like at the front line, are you leveraging anything like call recording or, um, you know, like a gong, a chorus, anything to kind of get some frontline insight to, let's say there was a, especially when they're, everyone's remote, let's say you have one of your teammates, you know, educating a CSM group or whatever. Have you gone through that process of like actually getting people better at getting more leverage out of these types of conversations? Yes, I think it's a great call out. We can certainly be doing more of it, but it's funny that you mentioned call recordings. Uh, a few months ago, I actually presented to sales managers about an upcoming integration. And I played a snippet of a, me telling a customer that this integration is coming and how excited she was about it. And that was, you know, I guess another good point is like, if other people can help you tell your story, don't be the only one talking. It's like, I'm going to play this clip to tell you why I'm so excited about this upcoming integration. Like, don't listen to me, listen to the customer. Um, so I love that. That's, that's great. It's, it, it, it goes back to like sharing those, those wins going back to like, Hey, here's what's working, whatever there, there needs to be like, I guess basically like cloud app gong, you know, uh, whatever your favorite screenshot tool is, those, those really do need to be your best friend to have that social proof. Uh, cause that's really going to be the thing that drives how you make an impact and, and an impression on, um, on your internal teams, because I mean, standard marketing 
you know, every website's going to have the customer list right up front. There's going to be social proof. Here's the customers. Here's the people that have been successful. Here's how they've been successful. And just taking that one step further by bringing, you know, the audio into it. Um, I think, I think that's a, a fantastic way to use uh, call recordings. What about, you know, coaching on the team? So you used it uh, up the chain. What about for uh, folks on your team? Have you uh, done anything around, Hey, here's how to best get alignment with your teammates. Um, and kind of like translate what you've kind of learned in internal selling to uh, the folks that are on your team directly. Yeah, I think, yes. And, and I think part of being a leader and I'm learning this in real time every day, you mentioned a lot of change in organizations, like any, you know, hyper growth company startup, there's been a lot of change in the world, obviously, like there's been a lot of change happening. And I think I've been focusing on coaching my team on changes, more oftentimes than not a good thing. And I think like a good leader doesn't get like deer in headlights about change. It's like, this is a new opportunity to potentially change things for the better. Um, So I'm going to tie that to your question about like, how do we help other people get alignment? When there's change in a company, it's a great opportunity to get time on that person's calendar and either realign, right? Reinform, just use the opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? We're all remote right now. I know I used to sit next to you. I used to stand in the lunch line with you. Like, I just wanted to update you. I'm working on these few things. I thought of you because I was on this phone call and they mentioned your customer. Um, it's something that we talked about in our team meeting. I'm encouraging my team to put time on people's calendars who you would sometimes cross paths with in other meetings or in the office that you don't have the opportunity to do today. Have you encountered the traditional phrase of like, maybe not, but I'll ask channel conflict where someone was pursuing something on your team and maybe a partner was at odds with uh, a seller? Um, It's an interesting question. We certainly there's been some of those, but I'd say what is more, um, more common is that sometimes my team will be going after a partner where there's some type of monetary exchange as well. Um, And our sales team is in conversations with that same company. And we're talking to different people. They're different use cases. My team doesn't sell anything that our core sales team sells. Um, But thinking through how we handle that. And there was plenty of that that happened at... um, you know, LinkedIn, just having different lines of business all operating together. Some were selling to HR departments, some were selling to marketers, some were selling to the sales teams. So it's, it's a common thing. And again, like, when those things are brought to me, my attitude on that is like, this is normal. That's okay. It's understandable that we're having this, you know, temporary internal friction, we will figure it out versus I've had managers who, you know, look really upset and kind of lose it right? And have to go make their case. To me, it's like, everyone calm down. This is normal. It's not a true tech sales team. If we don't have some type of internal conflict, we will figure it out. And I ask that my team has that trust in me that I'm going to go advocate for the facts, the situation, and everyone will get taken care of if we do ultimately what's best for the business. So you spoke uh, earlier about aligning with other departments. And I'm curious because um, I deal with this a lot. Like we, we kind of work in like a, a nebulous uh, department within the co- the company. Folks don't often know what we do. Uh, so what what was something that was kind of misaligned uh, with between your department and the rest of the company that you had to work to uh, towards alignment? Great question. Um, 
right now we were at a fork in the road where we're onboarding all these partners. Um, like I mentioned, we on the integration side, we have almost 30 partners. Um, and how do we manage these partners? How do we onboard these partners? There, there have been conversations with you know our leader of customer success where he has the talent profile of people who are experts at onboarding, at supporting customers. Like, how do we work together on that? Should I be building a team and hiring new headcount that's all about onboarding and support? Or is there a way that we can work together in a line where my team does a certain you know, set of responsibilities on that note, and then his team helps as well. I think part of a successful partnership team as it grows is staying true to partnerships, you know, because if you start hiring for everything that you actually need, you will start to see that you're actually going to hire for your own little support team, your own little marketing team, your own little, right? Like instead of hiring a marketer, a person who would do marketing and report to me on partnerships, I'd rather just align with marketing and say, you know who to hire for marketing. You have good marketers support partner marketing, right? And give me a dedicated resource who's going to do blog post announcements, social shares, help write the case studies for partner success. So don't build, I've learned this, like don't build your own little company inside of a company, use the company and use the resources around you. And to me, that's alignment. What is your, the, the, the ICP of G2 in terms of most of the, the go to market focus is it really spread across small business to enterprise or is there a focus in there? If the, the pie chart like couldn't be prettier, it's a third, a third, a third with our customer base, small business, mid-market and enterprise. Okay. Um, we're, we're mainly the core side of the business is typically selling to a marketing profile and we've been expanding into the sales persona as well. Gotcha. Cause it's, I, I love what you said about like, don't build a company inside of a company. Cause you kind of always are in BD. And I, the only time I've seen that really work building a company inside of a company is if you're truly like very small business and the TAM is just massive, it's hundreds of thousands of people and you can actually like wall off, right? Certain accounts and gardens and like, it's a different motion. But in that situation where you, you're cross segment, whew, that'd be, that'd be a rough one. That'd be a real rough, rough one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's real value and beauty in a partnership team being small. Like I love being in partnerships. I see a very long career for myself here. That's what I want to do. It's what I want to continue to grow. And I don't, I don't have a goal to like manage an org of twenty people. Like that seems too big to me. the The value of a partnership team is feeling scrappy and feeling like there's not enough resources to get it done. And hiring good people is like putting someone in a situation where they just don't have they don't have everything. They have enough, but they don't have everything. And seeing how they use their entrepreneurial spirit and problem solving to get there. Um, when I'm looking for people on my team, I'm looking for someone with that attention to detail and the ability to quickly understand who am I talking to? What does this company do? How do, how do they make money and what do they care about and how do I relate that to, or is it interesting to me based on what we do, how we make money and what I slash the company cares about? Like the faster somebody can get to that point, that's about building partnerships and, and good partnerships are built when there's a real deep understanding of each other's business goals and just really like how it works, how it, how, and why it makes sense. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into how some of your partnerships work, because I'm curious how you got this to come to be. So if I understand correctly, some of G2's offering, you sell an intent product, um, and that intent product can be sold directly to like a marketing organization, right. For giving them signals. 
Are you also packaging that and distributing it through other businesses in what we would call a partner motion? So not a, not a reseller model. Um, so like you alluded to, G2 is the leading B2B marketplace um, for, for technology. So we have 5 million month unique visitors coming to G2 to shop for different software solutions. And we know which organizations are in market for what products because we see that traffic or that intent on our site. So to your point, we sell that as a, our buyer intent product to marketers and also sales professionals. And early on in those days, um, we had customers immediately starting to ask, right? Like, I love getting this G2 data. Can I have it in Salesforce? Can I get it in HubSpot? Can I use it uh, in LinkedIn match audiences for an ad campaign? So that started this idea of, you know, how do we enable G2 customers to interact with buyer intent data in the other systems that they live and breathe in every day. Um, that started to expand when we would start to talk to sales professionals and they said, well, wouldn't it, I would love to get this data in front of my BDR team. Do you guys integrate with sales law or outreach? Right. And so I just named a bunch of integrations that we've added recently to enhance our customers experience with the product that they have. And then also organically expand to other departments outside of marketing that find value in intent data. To this point, like I mentioned, we've been pretty, you know, reactive is often seen as a negative word. We've been using market feedback to go after the right integrations. Like we've been hearing what our customers want. We're now going to start to take a more proactive approach and thinking like, how do we go after a category? How do we go after CRM, marketing automation, um, ABM, for example? So that's that's my goal for the team moving into the new year. How do you go... Where does it start to move from like the integration partner side of things into monetizing your, 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 your partnerships, uh, like indirectly versus directly, right? Indirectly is the integrations, which, you know, better customer retention, faster sales cycle, all the stuff that we know, but where have you gone to, or have you gone into direct monetization of your partner ecosystem? We have, but it's going to be a very unique G2 use case. So it's not actually under that integration bucket yet. Um, we are syndicating G2 reviews and content to other marketplaces to help them drive engagement and conversion. So for example, if you go to the AWS marketplace, G2 reviews power thousands of pages on AWS marketplace. We power 20,000 review pages on CDW's marketplace. So any marketplace where any site you could say where a B2B buyer is evaluating and making decisions, all the third party data shows that peer experience feedback reviews has to be there to drive that conversion. Turns out reviews is a really hard game. Like G2 has been at it for a long time. It is not easy to actually build, like technically build the functionality to say, write a review easy to get people to spend the time to write the content, to then moderate that content on the back end and make sure people are writing appropriate things, leaving, you know, good, good, I don't say good reviews, like positive reviews, but like good feedback, uh, informative feedback, that's really hard. So, um, you know, years ago, and this was actually far before I joined G2, we were getting inbound questions from some of those large marketplace players saying, hey, G2, we have a write a review button on my site. No one's touched it in a very long time. Can I take the great content that you have and just syndicate it to my marketplace? Um, so when I joined, I I helped ramp that into um, a whole bucket of what my team supports today. That was that was we had the to rebuild sumo. APIs. That was the sumo. That, that was the big, the big one that put Brittany on the map at G two. 
<laughs> that's yeah, a, yeah. I mean, that's we a thought, huge, we thought huge. and I met actually was uh, we were very interested in this uh, product at, at HubSpot. We were very interested in leveraging G2 crowd reviews to power our uh, app ecosystem and reviews of the integrations. In is, that, is, is that something that we have a bunch of partner leaders listening to this? Is that something that they can come to G2 today and go, hey, my partner directory sucks. My integration directory sucks. No one's using it. And my team, my CSMs, they don't know who to direct people to because everyone's listed the same. They're all zero star reviews. Can they come to G2 today and use this product and buy this product? Yep. And you nailed like the two, two out of the three value props is one, your marketplace is a lame destination right now. So let's get content and engagement and information on those pages Two, your sales team and your support and success teams can start to use that information to make data driven recommendations to your customers. And thirdly, the partners love it because guess what? Who wants to manage like 20 different directory listings? If they already have reviews on G2, it takes all that effort off the partner. We want to be the one-stop shop that collects, aggregates, syndicates, B2B customer feedback. That's our North Star. Does your direct team sell this product or does the partner team sell this product? I am the partner team and we sell that product. Ah, interesting. So this, this is actually separate from like if an inbound lead came in, it's not going to be routed to you know an account executive. Correct. It goes to my team. And that's because it's more than just, I mean, the monetary exchange covers all the API enhancements and all the support that goes into the actual product that we're selling. There's a ton of value that both the partner and us get from it. So for example, G2 does not white label any of our data. So if you go to AWS or CDW, you see that those reviews are powered by G2. And that helps the partner because people in the industry are not questioning this content. They G2 has that trust process and that trust factor. And then for us, it's getting our brand out there um, and driving our credibility in the market. So there's so much more value beyond just money that we see within those um, partnerships. Okay. So I, I have to say this because I, I feel like everyone should do this. I haven't done it yet at Drift. So Nick, Nick, Sal, when you, whenever you hear this, this is what we need to do next. He's just j- joining at Drift <laughs> next week. Nick, What I want to do is I want to get this and every single time that a partner does an an implementation of drift, I want to send them, uh, I want to send the customer an NPS or like a partner NPS. And if it's less than an eight, I want to reach out to them and see how that partner could have done better, how we make them better. But if it's more than an eight, I want to send them to G2 to leave a review of that (laughs) partner. And set up this workflow to where it's all automated, because I think that flywheel of like increasing partner visibility like that, it kind of goes full circle to internal selling. Like if you can point your sales team or your, you know, customer success team to an ecosystem of how customers have interacted in the reviews that they're leaving. Wow. I mean, what more social proof could you want than that? Totally. I'm not selling G2 Absolutely. for you, and G- I, I love this product <laughs> so much. It's awesome. I want it now. Yeah, N- absolutely. Yeah. No reviews are, um, obviously G2 set out to help that you know, immediate purchase, but we're seeing reviews play such a role in partner ecosystems and only implementing to solutions that have high reviews or when you're evaluating like a core solution to go to, look at their integrations and how they rank. So, you know, it's 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 interesting because the integration side of what my team manages is so 
linked. Like I'm almost selling to my persona on the other side of the house. If that right. makes sense. Like we have an integration hub at G2 where we list all of our partners. How do we drive engagement on the hub? How do we drive, you know, ultimately it's going to be a conversion on that hub. Um, so it's been, it's been a really cool journey. So ironically to today's topic, Brittany has been doing a great job of selling externally today. Uh, but um, I, I'm wondering if you do, you, do you have the capability to uh, review the integration yeah, that and was not just my question. Uh, the software? Is that something that, that G2 can do? Is that productized at all? We have. It's in, it is live. Um, we have that ability. Um, it depends on... It depends on the marketplace and, and what type of content they're after. So we do have what we call an integration review. Um, but interestingly enough, most marketplaces have really just syndicated the core product review. It'd have to be a big, you know, a good size ecosystem, like where the top ones, it's like you're actually reviewing specific functionality that was built like for the platform almost, right? Versus their their core suite, right? Cause, cause, yeah. And we're seeing great... Yeah. And I was going to say, we're seeing great success with partner marketplaces who integrate the idea of reviews as part of their onboarding process. So you become a new partner, right, of the platform, you update your listing, um, and you go ahead and you reach out to, you know, 15 different customers to to generate that review. So really just making it part of the motion is is the key to that sustainable review flywheel. Cause that expertise, like in the beginning, it's not going to matter, but you know, for example, let's say we start bringing on the big SIs. Uh, I know there's, um, oh, I forgot. There's, there's another competitor that's tried, that's had tried to do, um, some of the consulting companies and like reviews of consulting companies. Are you seeing the consulting companies come over to G2 now as well? Like the SIs like they are. And they stuff like that. Yeah, sure. And they have pages on G2. I would say G2's business focus has been pretty exclusively on software, but certainly we're seeing services come into the mix because that's the next question, right? That's the next part of the funnel. You're looking for a piece of software, you find it. And now it's like, who's going to help me implement it? Who's going to help me manage it? So definitely. That's the, definitely the next direction that we want to go is be able to point out like who are really the experts based on reviews for, you know, implementing Marketo is going to be very different than setting up, um, CRM Salesforce, for example, or building something custom, totally. or maybe they do fantastic advertising work, but they have no idea how to do demand generation. Um, so those like expertises and capabilities, um, I feel like I'm going through like a demo now. I'm like qualifying myself and can you do tags on partners and filter by tags to only display certain people? Yeah. Um, no, and region cool. becomes super important, like localization with SI. So in order for us to truly productize that there's all those nuances that would have to be baked in. You're right. Like different experts, you can have a five-star agency, for example, but what it, what is that expertise? Was it demand gen? Was it social? Um, so getting those details are going to be very important to getting the type of feedback that's really high impact for SIs. I love it. That's, that's a fantastic, it's like a, it's an inception partner product because like it was built by the partner team and it's helping other partner and marketplaces and ecosystems. Have you read uh, platform revolution? No, but someone mentioned it on your, on your, on an episode, right? Yeah. I think yeah, in a past episode. It, yeah. 
It, yeah, because you're list. doing some really cool stuff that's like kind of right out of that book at G2 um, that I, I find really fascinating in terms of like, you know, are you a marketplace? Are you a platform? What are some of the nuances and differences from that? And whenever you are owning the marketplace for other people, it's like a marketplace of marketplaces. So it's uh, just there's a few things that the book kind of points out for frameworks that are um, uh, I think you're like ahead of the curve. This is kind of my point. So I was like, have you read that? Because, um, yeah, Brittany, you, you don't, I don't know that, uh, you would gain a ton from that book, but you're the rest of your team, like people in other departments right. within your company, if you can get them to read it, they'll be completely on board with your mission. And that was something that, uh, Sequoia made, um, one of our, uh, our lead investor at HubSpot made, uh, everybody at the company read. Uh, was that book. And it really helped get every other department on board with uh, with our mission. I love it. I'm totally reading it. I'm in the middle of a sleep training book for my eight-month-old son. So after I get through that, onto my <laughs> tech book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think, yeah. you, she's going to, uh, boy, you said son? Son, yeah, boy. Son? Okay. Going to turn the corner any second. Eight months is like, I feel I like I'm a so. new human. I have a 10-month. And like the last two months have been amazing. Okay. I'm going to hold you're gonna you to get, You're going to get there. What, what, what's the schedule like right now? Is it still middle of the night? Wake up? Yeah. Like, you know, like a four thirty five o'clock, which I know isn't like that early, but we'll get them there. I always finally started going to seven and now it's like seven thirty. So follow the sleep training. Sounds it, like it, vacation. It works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works. We will. Um, yeah. I think for anyone else listening. First of all, I'd love to connect with anyone if you want to continue the conversation on LinkedIn, um, over email. But to me, clearly outlining what you're trying to do, even if it doesn't work, and even if it changes in three months, just having a framework that, and I'm super visual. So I actually, some people are super anti-slides. Like I'm, I'm all for slides because I'm a visual learner and I like to see it. I like to see three, five buckets and, and the definition, what they are and how they are related. Um, outline it for the org. But I've also I've also always noticed that when I outline it for other people, it also grounds me. It helps me. And it gives me my framework of, of what we're trying to do because partnership teams are tasked with a lot. Like I actually was talking to um, the partnership leader at a different company and she and I were laughing that Sometimes like when a lead comes in and it's not marketing, it's not like anything that's other just kind of shows up on the partnerships desk. It's like you don't, it's kind of interesting, but you don't know what to do with it. Partnerships. Um, and it's about explaining to your boss, your peer, whoever it is that while this is interesting, this isn't something that is going to drive impact to the business because you're focused on these other things. Or maybe this was a great lead. Thanks for handing it over. It falls within this bucket that we're super focused on. So um just internal selling. Don't underestimate it. Don't think that people understand your job. Don't under, don't think people understand your struggles. Outline it for them. Distill it for them. Talk about themes. Relate it to your audience. If you're talking to a leader, don't go too in detail. If you're talking to a peer, like get into a little bit of the details. Like they, you know, if they're also feeling some of that same pain, um, you know, communicate it and play to that to make sure that you get what you want. And then also just you know, I ask for a lot of alignment and I ask for a lot of things from a lot of teams. Um, I'm sure some G2ers are laughing at that comment. On that same token, like when people ask me for things, I really try to support it. Like I really try to be that same partner back that I ask for and, and you know, 
expect in a lot of ways from my cross-functional partners. So it's all about relationships, um, build those relationships, invest in those relationships. Sometimes I feel like getting lunch with a colleague, which I know is not relevant right now because of COVID, but I feel like getting lunch for an hour is sometimes equally as important as like an hour meeting where you're talking about like hard numbers, build those relationships. It makes the selling easier, right? Do you want to walk into a room and sell to a customer who churned and like, you know, had a horrible experience or do you want to walk in and sell to someone who loves your product? It's the same with internal selling. Selling to friends and allies is way, way easier. So invest in those relationships, make it simple, know your audience and always be selling internal or externally. I, I, I think you just had pointed <laughs> out- Exceptional advice. It's really good. You just pointed out like the best possible silver lining to like to the episode. It's like, A, helping is the new selling too, right? So help your colleagues. That's what we do in partnerships, right? Keep on helping, show up to those demos, show up to those customer calls, carry the water, get dirty. And, uh, you know, that's going to help build relationships and rapport. And then at the end of the day, the selling skills that you develop makes you a better, you know, partner practitioner or a partner leader. So uh, instead of carrying that burden as if, oh, it's 10%, 25%, 40% of my time, it's actually making you better at your job. You know, that feedback loop is essential. And I cannot think of a better way to end. Brittany, this has been amazing. Before we go, friendly reminder, this episode is uh, sponsored by Crossbeam. Crossbeam is a partner ecosystem platform platform uh, that acts as a data escrow service that finds overlapping customers with your prospects while keeping the rest of your data private and secure. So you can sign up for free at crossbeam.com. Brittany, this was, a, this was a blast. You're just dropping bombs left and right. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. You guys are the, you guys are awesome. And, and thanks for hanging out with us, Brittany. We have to say Sounds too, great. like, I feel like this turned into a G2 at the a little section, like a little sponsored by G2. This wasn't sponsored by G2. I just had genuinely geeked out by that product. And I know you too, are too, Kevin. I'm just always selling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm kidding. Kevin, you didn't tell me that I could have had wine though. Oh, yeah. Tips. You can always have wine on this podcast. Oh, yeah. We, right. we, we, we don't make a thing of it. Noted. We typically have a glass of wine. <laughs> so. I love it. Cool, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, everyone. Take like, care, subscribe. Leave us the ratings. Peace. Bye-bye.